Hey friends, you know what I don't miss at all? That vicious week before the period. Feeling like I'm ready to crawl out of my skin, irritated by everything and everyone around me. Bouncing between cravings for salty foods and sweets and back again. Now it's easier to manage PMS with EstroControl from Happy Mammoth. EstroControl contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like the chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a menstruating person's life. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like myself again. That's what people mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Happy Mammoth products, including EstroControl. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CORP, C-O-R-P, at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code C-O-R-P for 15% off today. This episode of Living Corporate is brought to you by Blind. Blind is a trusted community of more than 5 million verified professionals. On Blind, professionals connect and have honest discussions about salaries and what it's really like to work at or interview with a company. You can also join your private company channel to have a candid and safe conversation with your coworkers about what's really going on. And because it's anonymous, you can be honest and trust what you read. Check out teamblind.com to get the latest insights and the answers to your workplace questions. What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate. You know, I record this um, on the 4th of July. Yeah, like I'm recording this. It's uh, the nighttime, so if y'all hear any... Uh, banging and stuff, you know, that's my neighbors uh, doing too entirely too much, you know what I mean? Frankly, you have to question, like, what are we actually celebrating? Like, um, I'm not gonna make any references to The Handmaid's Tale. One, because I've never watched The Handmaid's Tale. Two, because my understanding is that it's, like, really centered on white women experiences and doesn't uh, really do any type of acknowledgement of, like, the history of uh, black, brown, indigenous women and their treatment in this country. Black and brown, indigenous women have been treated uh, like that and worse uh, since the inception of America. Um, you know, it's interesting. I'm going to put a link in the show notes on just like uh, Frederick Douglass's speech on the 4th of July. A phenomenal speech. You've probably seen a bunch of memes and stuff if you're anywhere on social media. But if you haven't read it, you should read it. It's a really compelling read. It's probably one of the most brilliant speeches um, of, uh, of our modern history. Um, look, I started off very sad and dark um, and because these times are bleak, but I come to you actually really thankful and excited. Um, if you're listening to this right now, you're listening to da, 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 the new living corporate. Yeah. <laughs> nah. So um, last week I talked to y'all about some updates. I think uh, living corporate was going through and what to be expecting. If you go to living corporate's, webpage website now you're going to see all sorts of new things right you're going to see a completely new layout you're going to see um, an opportunity to create a profile to promote um, to make sure that you actually are selecting uh, things relevant for you you can be able to select from a list of topics and then you're going to get content pushed to your profile from our library right you're going to get content um, relevant to the things that you're interested in because we have over 1,500 pieces of digital media from our blogs to our web shows to our podcasts 
uh, over the over the several years that we've been around. And so not only that, uh, but you're going to have access to a job board all for free. Um, and um, I'm really excited about just like living corporate as a as a company and like where we're going as a resources and as a community um, for uh, for historically marginalized people and aspirational allies. And today's podcast is really dope. And I say that every week, but I really do mean it. I'm so pleased that we were able to have Jackie Clayton. Jackie Clayton is the VP of uh, Talent and Diversity and Inclusion at Textio. Um, if you want to learn more about Textio, learn more about the jobs and uh, career opportunities at Textio, click the links in the show notes. Plenty of opportunities for you. I'm really excited. Like, you know, our job board. I'm going to pause here for a second. Like, what excites me about our job board is not just that, like, it's a job board. There's tons of job boards. And frankly, we don't have enough job boards uh, that are tailored towards black and brown talent. We need we need all the job boards. What excites me is, though, that, like, the brands that Living Corporate is partnering with, I actually believe in. Right. We're not just getting, like, black, you know, <laughs> you know, shadowy bags from these crazy organizations to make them to give them some type of veneer of inclusion. I really respect the leadership and the teams at these brands and believe that you have an opportunity to make an impact and be treated with respect if you work at these companies and work on these teams. And so when you look at the job board, you're going to see all sorts of opportunities from sales to STEM to everything in between. And I really want you to take the opportunity and apply, like make sure you actually give them a look. Also, you're going to see on Living Corporate, um, we're going to be promoting the mess out of these brands, right? We're going to be really like trying to connect y'all with opportunities. Like if you're not plugged in today, I want you plugged in today. Make sure you go to Living Corporate, create a profile. Again, it takes you maybe two minutes. It's all free. You get all of our content, our entire library. You get job postings. You get newsletters you get it all okay so make sure you do that like bless yourself bless me you know what i'm saying but like but first and foremost bless yourself like take advantage of these opportunities they're great role especially thinking about this economy you know people are concerned look skilled labor is still in demand so make sure you go ahead and take the time to uh to apply now look again excited about my conversation with jackie we talk a lot um, about like just this season where we're at. In fact, we recorded this right after the decision um, that that weekend after the decision um, to to roll back Roe v. Wade, and we had some really frank conversation. And I just really appreciate Jackie. Uh, we talk a lot about like the unique dynamic uh, nature of her role that she sits within a talent position and a DEI capacity. And and we talk we talk a lot about uh, what companies should be doing in this moment and like what does it really mean to like respond authentically um, and and also I think we're going to see sadly um, you know just how gross capitalism is right like and I, I'll bring on some other guests in the future we're going to talk about like even the rationale behind why some of these brands choose to some of these companies choose to provide a traveling benefit as opposed to doing other things um, or or are just kind of like making statements without any actual strategy behind them. And so, you know, we talk about that as well. I'm really excited about y'all checking out this discussion, if you can't tell. But before we do that, we're going to tap in with Tristan. So stay tuned.
Living Corporate is brought to you by Doximity. Doximity helps over 2 million medical professionals. We are the largest medical network that includes over 80% of physicians and over 50% of physician assistants and nurse practitioners. We don't take that responsibility lightly and committed to working towards a more equitable world inside and beyond our virtual office walls. If you want to learn more about Doximity, check out your app store at D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. That's D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. Living Corporate is brought to you by Textio. Today's top talent is everywhere, representing everyone, and our work environment should reflect the level of inclusion to meet that standard. Textio achieves this in building more equitable company cultures through the language we use in our job postings. That culture is formed one hire at a time, making the words we use to reach more diverse candidates all the more important. Our advanced language insights and employer brand content is what drives our mission of inclusion. Through our industry-leading application of artificial intelligence and machine learning, we're able to widen companies' reach in finding and building upon the very diverse talent that empowers a culture of belonging. Every door should be open to every qualified job seeker. Again, that's Textio. What's going on, Living Corporate? It's Tristan, and I want to thank you for tapping back in with me as I provide some tips and advice for professionals. Today, let's discuss five signs that it's time for a new job. The beginning of a new year is often associated with brand new beginnings, a fresh start. The turning of the calendar year offers a renewed perspective, and many of us start thinking about our careers. But the new year shouldn't be the only factor or motivator when it comes to making career decisions. So I want to take a moment to discuss five signs that it might be time for a new job. First, your career development is stagnant. If it's been a while since you've learned something new or been challenged at work and you find yourself bored, it might be time for a new job. You shouldn't feel like you're just going through the motions. If you find yourself in this spot before you decide to leave your current company, have a conversation with your boss. There might be new responsibilities you can take on with your current employer that will reignite your passion and enthusiasm for work. Second, your company is heading in the wrong direction. The pandemic has affected many companies operationally and financially. Some companies are conducting reorganizations or going through acquisitions that may lead to entirely new leadership. Other companies are changing their remote work policies, and some are just not doing well financially. Trust your intuition. If you don't like where the company is headed, jump ship, unless of course you're under contract. Third, you absolutely hate going to work. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't think you will be back flipping into work anywhere, but if work gives you anxiety and you dread going in, there's a problem. So, if your job negatively impacts your mental health and emotional well-being that much, you should probably find something new. Fourth, you're getting approached about new opportunities. Often the first thing that comes to mind when we talk about the search for a job is what if I don't land any interviews or offers? This thought alone may keep us in our current position because the security and predictability provides us comfort. But the good news is that according to the Society for Human Resources Management, we're in a candidate-driven market, which means that companies are competing to recruit talent. If you're already getting approached by recruiters or hiring managers, then that's a sign that you have in-demand skills and you may even be overqualified for your current role. Lastly, you're just ready for change. While all of your career decisions should be logical and well thought out, 
Sometimes the only reason you need to find a new role is that you're ready for a new challenge and fresh start. There's nothing wrong with that. Just don't make a totally uninformed jump. This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume, or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn. This episode of Living Corporate is brought to you by Blind. Blind is a safe, trusted community of more than 5 million verified professionals. Head over to teamblind.com to get the latest insights into salaries, company reviews, and interview experiences at thousands of companies worldwide. Living Corporate is brought to you by Doximity. Over 90% of graduating medical students join Doximity to use our tools before earning their doctoral degree. As medicine's largest network, there's an elevated level of responsibility to everything we do. We don't take that responsibility lightly and are committed to working towards a more equitable world inside and beyond our virtual office walls. You want to learn more about Doximity? Make sure you go to your app store, type in D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. That's D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. Jackie, Clayton, what's going on? Hey, how are you doing, Zach? I'm so glad... We're getting together. There's so much going on. Here's the thing, right? Like, you and I had this conversation on the books, like, so, like, for, I feel like, I feel like three weeks or a month, right? And then, like, something, every time something would come up, uh, and, like, one of us would be like, hey, it's too heavy, right? That's right. And then, like, it just kept going. Right. And I want to, I want to say, like, I can't, I, I think I canceled the last time, and I said, look, we gonna do it this next time, and if we sad, damn it, we're just gonna be sad. We're just gonna be sad. <laughs> and you were like, okay, and damn it, if uh, right, like ah. Now here's the thing. Um, for those who don't know, like you know, because we'll, we'll be dropping this pretty close to when all this um, was announced this past weekend, but you know, we're talking about uh, the decision by the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, and look, um, there have been some men who've been trying to debate with me uh, on social media, people that I've, frankly, I have known in the past and had some semblance of respect for. And I've continued to say, hey, listen, I don't have a uterus, so I don't I don't believe it's even appropriate for a bunch of men yep. or non-uterus having people to even be debating the finer points of this. So um, as much as you'd like, I'd love to just give you space on how you're processing this moment, how you feel um, as a person with a uterus. Yes. Well, I will tell you, like, I'm really, really angry. I'm really angry. And I will share part of my personal journey of why I get so angry in regards to this topic. This is, it's personal for me. Of course, yes, I have a uterus, but I have my own story. Because I have two children, right? My oldest is 21, and then I, my son is 19. And before they were here, I was pregnant, and the baby was dying. We found out that the baby was dying, and I went to the hospital, and the hospital said, well, you're just going to have to carry until you naturally go into labor with this baby that's not living because we don't do abortions here. That's what they said. And I will never forget it. I'm uh, a little bit older. So at the time they were bombing abortion clinics and they were like, that's the only place you can go if you wanna have 
your dead fetus removed. That's the only place you can do it. And so at the time, it was like, I'm not trying to get an abortion. This is a health instance. I don't want to carry around a baby that's not living. I don't understand why that's difficult. And because of the privilege that I have, I was connected to another person who connected me to a hospital that would do this, even though a lot of the hospitals are supported, religious-based, and depending on which religion, wouldn't do this type of procedure. And it was terrifying, terrifying experience. And the thought that people have to go through that or carry to term or you hear about people who have to do this in order to get cancer treatment, like it's so much bigger than that. I'm pissed and I'm angry. And I also feel disappointed, like I failed somehow. Like, I feel like, and I, I had posted it up thinking about my ancestors and so many that had, um, you know, forced, had abortions and forced because they were raped by slave masters so they wouldn't have to bring people into this world, right? I am, and I was like, how am I just poo-pooing the sacrifices that people made before me? And, and, and didn't do enough. And I'll tell you what today, what crossed me today, you and I are both in Texas. Um, the Senator, um, is it Cornyn? How he says his name, John Cornyn. Cornyn. When he said, now do Plessy versus Ferguson and Brown versus Board of Education. I, it took me a full two hours to be able to breathe after that. Because that's where we're going. We're in trouble, Zach. I mean, the thing about it is like what I'm realizing, what I like, so I've been, I've been thinking about this for some years and it just continues to become more and more apparent to me. This country was never built with the civil liberties or rights or acknowledged humanity of any, any other person besides straight white men. That's right. And so you know, what we're seeing and what we've been continued to see from the passage of the um, the initial amendments, which which gave black black men the right to vote um, all the way up to the 1960s, all the way up to now is a pushback. Right. Ever since really the abolition of chattel slavery, not the abolition of slavery, because we still have that through the 13th right. Amendment, but the abolition of chattel slavery, we've been seeing like white folks over several generations working to get the country back to its uh, colonialist origins, to its uh, exploitative, hyper, hyper patriarchal origins. I mean, like they never, it never really went away, but like you're looking at, you're looking at it all coming full circle, right? Like we talked about the fact, that, you know, you got Clarence Thomas and it's interesting because like, you know, to your point, I'm a little younger than you. Like you talk about like, I was talking to my parents and like, they were like, no, none of my dad's, None of my dad's generation, his friends, his circles, none of them like Clarence Thomas. My mom didn't like Clarence no, Thomas. Uh-uh, uh-uh. That was not that was not some celebrated thing. No, no, everybody knew, right? This was like this is not a represent. This is not a representative, and this is at the same time when we, when organizations first started looking at diversity and inclusion, it was not diverse, right? You might have had. 
maybe you invited a white woman there, still the same education, still the same background, still the same politics, still the same income level, the same education. It was never, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, this doesn't count. And Claire Thomas didn't count. It didn't count. That was not somebody that was working on behalf of black people ever. Man. And so he's talking about, you know, how they're looking to undermine same-sex marriage. They're looking to undermine or repeal contraceptives. You know, right. he didn't bring up Loving vs. Virginia because he got that white wife. That's right. But, but it's perhaps. just, it's convenient and it's terrifying, right? Like when you just look at this season, you know, something that you and I had texted about, um, like before we had, you know, before we, we got on 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 live um, to have this conversation. It's just, as I look at the landscape, like I'm genuinely concerned as I look at like, we have these government institutions that continue to get power and and retract more rights away from us. And then we have corporations who they continue to get power. Okay. And frankly, like because of the economy, they have like an overwhelming amount of leverage in our lives to really control what what we do because we need money to survive. And then we're just, we're in the middle with no real, with like with, with con, um, continuously shrinking market share mm-hmm. to really activate change in voice. I mean, I'm curious, like, I know that you're, I know that you're the head of DEI um, at Textio. Like what are y'all doing in light of the, the decision uh, to to overturn Roe v. Wade? Like, are y'all doing the same, like, travel type, the travel benefit, or, like, what does it look like there? Yes, so we started looking at the travel benefit, but I think one of the things that we did that was most important in my assertion was yesterday we had a healing circle where we came and gave people a safe space if they were so inclined, no judgment, a place where we went around and people could talk and share their stories, first of all. And it was amazing to see, because especially when you're in a distributed team, all of us are remote in a distributed team, how alone you feel with your feelings when things like this happen. And you're not sure where your organization feels. Like sometimes people have a statement, but you don't really know or, or understand how people feel. So we wanted to make sure that we had that. And then next, from there, we are working on on that stipend and making sure that people know the benefits that we do have that can help with that. But we're looking into what we need to do. Keep in mind, half of the people at my company live in Seattle. Oh, I see. And there's five of us in Texas. And so, and there's some in Chicago. Mm. So they've been rallying around. We've been trying to rally around Texas and the states that we know are that are going to be the most problematic. Yeah. I mean, and I was like, if it wasn't for my parents, I would get out of Texas. I have to be here to take care of my parents and my mother-in-law. And so, or else I'd get out of Texas. And it was one of yeah. those where people are saying, it's, it's interesting when my boss, reaches out to me on a on a Saturday and says, I hope you're okay. I'm so sorry. 
I can only imagine what you're going through just because I live in Texas. Right. Right. You know, I think that's important too to your, like, it's about like, it's about having solutions that are relevant to your employee base. So outside looking in, I'd be like, well, damn, y'all gotta do something. But if, but to your point, if the majority of your employees are in States where abortion is not about to be banned, you know, then, then, then the solutions become a bit more bespoke as it pertains right. to, you know, you know, just whatever, you know, in terms of just where your employees are. So, you know, and I, I think, I think my challenge, even with that, and like, you know, I've said this, I said this before, we had a conversation with uh, George Walker, who's the, the chief equity officer and I plan parented. And in that intro, I talked about the fact that the, the company I work for my nine to five job, they are doing a travel, um, you know, travel benefit yep. um, of uh, 10, up to $10,000 to, to move around. But I think my I think my my concern is like, what about actually what about organizations like limiting or changing who they actually support politically? Right. As opposed to throwing money at the problems per se. Right. Like, what does it look like to leverage your power, to leverage your your institutional um, reach to impact policy? You know what I mean? Right. Right. And so one of the things that we give internally people access, we have unlimited like time off, but we also encourage and support different charities that people support. And these are the types of things that we do support. I mean, it, it's true because something that people get wrong is when you're talking about inclusion, you don't have to include people that are not do not believe in your inclusive initiative, right? And so people get that part confused. And so on the one side, people might look at the organization and say, oh, what can we do? You know, oh, we don't want to do this or we don't want to do that. But like, I'm lucky in that I have a, a, a company with a executive team with an opinion and are not afraid to share our opinions. And that's the environment that we built with the understanding that not everybody has to get on board or do the things that we offer. But this is my stance, like this is our CEO stance. And it's more like, I know you might not agree with me, but this is how I feel about it. And so you have to make that determination if this is a place where you wanna work, because this is a problem and you have to remember the majority of our executive team is women. A majority of our executive team has children, are survivors of things like this, of different things. And so we look at these rights very seriously. I, with What's interesting is that at Textio, we're not looking at inclusive parts, like an inclusive organization in a performative way. This is real talk and we really do the work and it's up to me to come up with those programming to make sure that we are inclusive and we're having the difficult conversations. Because if we can have these types of conversations, we can have other conversations that can make us more successful. Yeah, 100%. You know, speaking of that, in terms of like challenging conversations and realities, like, you know, I, I wonder if this moment will bring about the same or a similar level of investment and reaction that the death of George Floyd 
the murder, excuse me, of George Floyd did, right? Like, you know, like when George Floyd was murdered and it was on camera, um, all of a sudden there was money that was made available for grants and mm-hmm. companies suddenly had budget to hire all these chief diversity officers without them actually being officers. They were really just VPs or directors, but they still somehow had chief in the title. Um, <laughs> you know, they, like, all of that stuff going on. It's like, I wonder, I just wonder if that'll happen again. I just hope it's not misdirected because a lot of these things were misdirected. And I I think it's very important as someone who does the work, speaking to someone else who does the work that we understand, like, don't sign up unless you're ready to have the hard conversation with yourself first. Right? Like, where are you with these conversations? And a lot of people jumped in, but they haven't reconciled where they are personally with this. And so when I shared my personal story, when we did our healing circles, and I, I said, I have to understand realistically, like you, like me, you understand, like the, the fact that I'm here, I am a child of rape. All of us here, all of us black folks that are here, that are still here. There are several that are children of rape. Like, don't, don't forget that. Don't get that part twisted on how you reconcile with that. And so, like, we have to have have real talk. So I think people might try to do it. But what's important to do is that there's a reshuffling going on. And so now's the time, you know, my, they always said when Maya Angelou said, if people will show you who they are, believe them. And so now's the time when these things happen to look at your organization and see who they are. How are they handling this? Not everybody's going to have the same reaction. There's no right way but there is definitely some wrong ways or ignoring it and then you have to look for people this is an opportunity to see if you can align yourself with a company that's actually doing something that is in alignment with what your belief system is and start making those change start making those changes you know it's interesting too because like as i think about this season right and i think about the voices that are going to um come up and 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 the and you know the the faces behind these conversations that are going to continue to happen between now and at least november if not between now and 2024 um is that i just wonder if i wonder if we're going to be able to operate intersectionally like will we see a bunch of white voices white women talk about reproductive health and access and equity, or will we be able to really be intersectional and understand that this is a space for black and brown women, disabled black and brown women to have a voice? Like we haven't really been historically, and I say we, I really mean white people, white corporate America has historically sucked at intersectionality, especially intersecting um, race and gender. And so I just wonder like, cynically, I feel like I know the answer, but I'm curious if we're going to see like just a bunch of white women, just white women all over the place. Yes, we are because we're going to see that. But understand, understand the majority. When you look at the percentages of people who have abortions, right, that are going to be affected, we know that it's going to disproportionately affect black and brown and poor people. We know that. But 60% of the people that are having abortions are white people. And then you're looking at a population that's afraid that they're losing the ability to grow and they're seeing more black and brown people 
in their environments. So you're going to, it will be a battle of white women <laughs> between white women for sure. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they don't talk about anything about it. Like people, this is the part that people haven't been playing, paying attention to because this has been kind of a slow, it might seem like it's overnight, but this has been the intention for years. And people have been saying and talking about what the intention has been for years. This is all about growing a majority population. This is not about, you know, anything that has to do with children, because if it did, we would see better children health, we would see social health care, we would see different education, money for teachers. This is not about that. Right? That's not what this is about. Right. And so what you're gonna have are people who have give decided to give up their own social capital capital to do what's right, and then people that are still trying to hold on to social capital. And and that's what I think is the base of a lot of these arguments right now. Yeah. You know, something else I've said, too, is just like I we also have seen and it's it's just funny people on Twitter have been black women on Twitter. First of all, black women in general, y'all are phenomenal. Uh, you included, of course, Jackie, by uh, by a good degree. It's just so funny. I saw like somebody tweeted like watching all y'all white women get upset about this. It's so curious when the majority of y'all voted for all of this. That's right. Like in 20s. And so like I wonder I'm pretty I'm also pretty confident that like the answer is nothing, but I'm curious of like what will need to happen for women to sacrifice their whiteness in the in the name of their own autonomy as women or you know, if they're just willing to sacrifice every aspect of their womanhood for the sake of upholding their whiteness. I, I because at this point I'm like, yo, y'all got to <laughs> like I mean, like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like, what what's going on? Like, this is like this is nuts. Like, you're actively and you're actively supporting your against your own self interest. But again, I don't know what it's like to be white. So maybe you know, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's worth it. I don't. It's but it's 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 frustrating, and it feels a bit like gaslighting to see in real time. You know what I mean? Yes, I, I agree with you. There's a book um, I recommend. I recommend that you read. It's called Hood Feminism. Not sure if you have ever read it. Yes. It's a hard read. I haven't read, read it, right? but I know it. <laughs> I always tell my friends, read it with a glass of wine when you're by yourself. Stop every chapter. Just stop. And then wait a couple days because you're going to be really pissed off. Now, the, the, the issue under, like, like this has been People talk about like January 6th is the big lie. But that that is not the big lie. The big lie happened well before that in telling people that like this is better and that you're more important without having to do anything. And then you have other groups that have worked really, really hard to get where they are, right? Other people have gotten privilege without having to put out have output. And so the, that the only thing that they have left is their whiteness. And remember, every white man was born to a white woman. So when you look at it from that perspective, no, they're not, it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. And when you are in a situation now where 
like if you look at what's going on today with the you know with layoffs that have happened we already know people are are we're looking for more inclusion people feel threatened we already know that people aren't making the money we're seeing the interest rates go up we're looking at potentially being a recession and so these people aren't growing their wealth they don't have that type of capital if they don't have it by now like you're not going to wake up and be a billionaire the people who are and have been successful it's been passed down so the only thing you have is your whiteness or your white womanness which is a whole different generation of, of victimhood and that's the only way they know how to play the game they don't know they don't have the tools they don't have the tools of of making it through and this is i'm making broad statements but it, that is the default, and we see it time and time and time again, over and over and over again, of people stopping. It, anytime you have a, a, you can have a collective mourning. The solution only goes as deep as the most privileged person in that group. Hmm. So when you have a bunch of women trying to fight for women's rights, it will stop. When white women feels like it meets their rights, I, I'm 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 quiet because I'm just I'm absorbing, and I also want you know I also want to back up and give women space to speak on this like on on our on our network right like, but it's it's just scary because none of our rights are permanent if you're not a white straight man you know what I'm saying like our That's rights right. aren't permanent they're not it's scary like when you when you think about the fact that like my mom. I'm not going to say my mom's age, but my mom was born <laughs> before Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. And and she still, she is relatively young um, and is now living long enough to see Roe v. Wade be struck down. She was born before uh, voting rights were passed. Mm-hmm. And she's lived long enough to see voting rights be hollowed out. And um, it's just scary, right? I'm, I'm curious. Like, I, I, I also feel like we're at this impasse of like an increasingly fascist and like just like despicably right wing government continues to like form and shore up, but like against a populace that is increasingly diverse and fairly progressive and politically activated and engaged. And I just don't know how those, I don't know how that we square that circle. Like I don't see those things resolving. And, uh, I, and, I, and yeah. I'm also confused as to like, I'm also confused as to like where companies are going to fit into this. Like by 2030, like I just, I, I'm really curious as to where the dust is going to settle. You know what I mean? Uh, yes. I, I just think that it, it, it's one of those unfortunate things that take time like if you look at like just the world when you talk about you know they they follow the west or look to the united states to see what the united states is doing in order to build their policies and so a lot of different organizations that have been that are international organizations have thrived doing the things that maybe this organization over here did many years ago and so they're going to have the same outcome and what we're looking at internally is that we did vote a lot of diverse people into office, but they've never been part of the full ecosystem of politics. And so we're that is not something generationally that's been passed down. If you look like at 
Mitt Romney, I'm just using him as an example, you know, his father was in politics. This has been a long-term thing. Even President Biden has been part of the narrative and a part of the ecosystem before we were alive, right? Like a full lifetime ahead. And all of these politicians have been a part of this game and they know how to play it. And we're just getting let in and we don't know how to play it. People are just starting to learn. And so they don't recognize, I feel like this is something that you would see a lot of organizations that have started to recruit black and brown people that don't have learning in, um, learning in their own and development in their own organizations. It's the same thing where it's like, when we talk about not having the access to the same things, this is where it manifests itself. You know, this is where these things manifest. And so, yes, it's diverse, but then we have to see what's really going on. What are these games that people are playing? I mean, you look at one of the things that I find fascinating. I always, I like to read political nonfiction books because I'm that dork, but I read like autobiographies by politicians because I'm just, I'm always baffled that this happens. And one of the things that, always gets me is Nixon because it's just like so tragic. However, the person who worked most recently, Roger Stone, who worked on Donald Trump's campaign and was one of his people, also worked with Richard Nixon on his campaign. He also came up with Make America Great Again with Reagan. And now he he nominated Donald Trump years ago before he was even considered. And now here he is in office. He's been practicing this for 40 years. So you can't take an AOC who went from corporate to all of a sudden to politics and expect them to have the same impact of somebody who's been doing this for 40 years. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. I just look at, I just look at like this space and I look at like our, our society and I just, again, it's like, okay, <laughs> we have these really regressive laws and but we have this populace that's just not going to accept it right like and this next generation of employee gen z they're not about to they're not about to put up with this and so like i don't see another like i don't see any other outcome besides like really hard protests like people not showing up like like really hearkening back to the 60s of just hey like we're not putting up with this we're not doing this like because it's I don't see how they square. And I'm also kind of confused, right? When I think about organizations like Textio and like other other orgs is like, how do y'all measure, how do you determine like where y'all lean in and, and how much you support and, and, and where your line is? Because I feel like as we continue on in this decade, there's going to be higher and higher expectations for what companies should be doing to support um, the ex- to support their employees right. higher than they've ever been before. Right. Right. We're just trying to meet internally for us. We're trying to meet people where they are. And so a lot of this is evolving and it's new. Right. There's things that people there's a part that we know because it's something that we've always done. And then there's the holy shit. I didn't think we were going to have to ever deal with this part. And so the the piece is trying to meet people where they are and grow and scale. And and for us, we're 
at this point, I don't think we're still a startup. We're just a small company. Um, we have to continuously be agile and meet our customers where we are. But we're small enough to be able to do that. The, the, the concern that I have are for bigger companies that are still benefiting from pure white supremacy on how they're going to make that change internally to be able to support when you have donations and backing and support of this Christian nationalist politician lifestyle. Like, like, like just point blank. You look at like you have Home Depot that the people within Home Depot have supported Donald Trump openly made open donations. We already know. Then you have Lowe's that has a black CEO during the riots that gave money for people to be able to rebuild. You have these two companies. So why are people still shopping at Home Depot? Hmm. Why are people not supportive of Lowe's? Why aren't these things coming up? And I've talked to some of the people at Lowe's of the things that they're doing internally to help and support their employees. And it's like, it's going to take people voting with their feet, like voting at the polls, yes, but voting with their pockets and not shopping or giving access to organizations that are going to be hurtful. But as just as many people do that, there are 50% of the population that will still go and support so that we can't see the impact. And, you know, I think to your point, like it just takes like systems level thinking um, and they just, and like just the, like a couple of extra questions um, as well, as well as a willingness to push and challenge. I think like there's this thing, again, it's been depressing for me. It's like, there seems to be like this, just, it's just outright um, worship of an appeasement to power. So it doesn't actually matter like who has the power or like if what they're doing with the power is unethical or evil it's like we just like, I don't know. It's like I don't know. It's just societally like we do this thing. We just we just submit to the the people who have the power. Like I, I'm way I'm really praying and like hopeful for like a true revolution. Like because the dismantling isn't going to happen inside the house. Like it's going to take right. It's going to take like the people continuing to do up to to uprise. Right. Like we saw folks protesting outside of. um the Supreme Court yesterday, we see protests continue to happen um, in all the major cities this weekend. Um, it's just, it's just tough, right? And like, I realize, I, I think like, I'm pretty confident, like every human being, like every American has lived through some historical moment, right? This, like, it feels like, it feels like for millennials, and shoot, like I would imagine, it probably feels like for, for you, for Gen Xers, you've lived through like so many. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many things that have just like crazy things that have happened, right? And and, and like neither one of us are old, so it's just like, damn, okay, what what is going to happen? What else is going to happen before I die? Like this, that's is, right, because this feels out of control. It, it, you know, something else that happens is when people start slipping, start making big dramatic swoops. Um, and so it feels like it's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, and I also feel like 
it's great that people are protesting, but you have to be able to channel your efforts and resources into real things. Like what is, you know, people know that you're pissed. Great. Okay. You put all of that stuff out there, but what are you doing in your own legislation? If it's gone back to states' rights, what are you doing in, in your own communities to find out what's going on? Do you know who's been voted in the states? Do you know? Because just like the example I just gave you, it is working exactly the way it's supposed to work, and it's happened the exact way that it was designed. And we knew this going in when these Supreme Court justices were brought in, that that was what the next move was going to be. And for some reason, just like you see all these people that ask, like, oh, are you going to vote down Roe v. Wade? And everybody's like, no. It's like, why did you? No, that doesn't make any sense. Of course that was going to happen, because that's what the party has been trying to do historically. So it is gaslighting. And so you have to hold people accountable. Um, I was just looking that same um, uh, Cornyn that we were just talking about, the things that he had voted yes for um, in regards, because he also, it's like, yes, and he also helped support this bill that just went into place to help it, have some restrictions to gun laws to try to make it a little bit safer. And so, but you can see everywhere that they vote. You can see all the places where they vote. So the answers to the test are there. And it's great that you can protest the change isn't going to happen at home, but you can educate yourself at home and see the people that are in power right now, the way that they voted, where they come from, because it will give you a clear picture of what to expect moving forward. You know, Jackie, you know, we've been talking about um, the DEI landscape in, in light of or, or, or through the lens of the most recent decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Before I let you go, let me end with something like a little potentially more positive. Like, what are you excited about as you think about like your next year with Textio? Like, you know, what what gets you up? Um, what gives you hope? Like, what are you what are you proud of in terms of as you look forward? I love that. I am so excited to be able to focus on the belonging and education aspects of what, and being able to make systemic changes that we've been able to make. So I, I'm excited to give people a safe place to land in looking for a career. That's the thing that I'm most excited about because I'm also the VP of Talent Acquisition and I know it's like, I feel like this is my gift to try to save people from those negative places and put them at a, in a place where they can be valued and that, which has its own challenges, right? Um, but a place where they can be valued and they are looked at seriously to take those thoughts in and helping develop leaders that go into the world. You know, they grow, maybe they leave Textio, but they can take those lessons with them I know that it's just going to get better. I just I just feel in my heart that I have hope that being and creating this environment will help us continue to see other environments because of the people that we have um, nurtured and given a place of safety. You know, Jackie, that so let me start. Let me say I was going to say this off mic and they will talk about off mic, but I'm, I want to say it on the record here, too. You know, that answer it's so encouraging to hear that you see your role as 
um, as a point of potential, like just healing and refuge for people. That's such a dope way to look at your job. Yeah. Um, and it reminded me of like when we first met and like I talked to my mom because you didn't even know me. Right. Like you we're just we're really just getting to know each other like off top. And yet, like you in our first conversation, you like before we got off, you said, hey, like, let's talk and like give me things on how I can what I can do to support you like as a person. Like, you're like, like yeah, like and you said, I like living corporate. I love what you're doing over here. But like, I'm, I don't see you as living corporate. I want to talk about how I can support you, Zachary. The per- and I and I got off and I teared up. I was like, damn, because I needed that that day. I was having a tough day and a tough like few weeks. And I just was just like, dang, like and so I just appreciate you. And it's so dope that like that that's your attitude. Um, and I, and I hope that like I want I hope that people who are listening to this are hearing that like the VP of talent and the head of DEI uh, at Textio has that sentiment because that's a that's a dope drive. This is not an ad. Like I'm like in real real that's time. Right. Like I'm just like damn. Like people should want to people should want to look at jobs at Textio because. That's incredible. Like that's an incredible sentiment to have, and the fact that you sit in both chairs. So it's you know because sometimes like the DEI role is oftentimes right, the DEI role is separate from the talent acquisition role, and so there you know there's there's collaboration, but there's not necessarily you know real co ownership, right? Like right. It's, they're they're separate spaces, and so the fact that you you own both is pretty dynamic too. Listen, Jackie, you know we could talk for another two, three hours. Um, before I let you go, before I let you go, let me just get your three things. Three things on what executive leadership teams can be doing to create safe and equitable places to work for women right now. Yes. So number one, I feel like the listening circle was was great. Give people a safe place to talk about hard conversations because the days of we can't talk about this at work is over because it is affecting women at your workplaces. So make that a safe place. Make that a safe place. Number two, go evaluate the benefits that you do have on hand because a lot of people have been talking about sending people to get proper health care across states, but when they get there, who's paying for the actual procedures or the healthcare that people need? Do your benefits do that? Because I think people are throwing numbers out there. Um, and then the other part is making sure that you recognize that even though we talk about this as a woman's issue, there are trans and non-binary populations that are struggling with this as well. And so it's important to make sure that your benefits are supportive and reproductive rights for people who are trans and non-binary as well. And make sure that you make that clear throughout all of your benefits so that those people aren't left out in your effort to try to focus on women's rights. It is also a narrative about people throughout the gender spectrum. That would be a good place to start. Sheesh. All right. Look, sound man, you got to put some air horns. You'll hear it in post. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be nuts. Um, <laughs> Jackie, thank you so much for being a guest on Living Corporate. You and I both know that you're a friend of the show. Um, and look forward to talking to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Peace. Peace. 
and we're back. Yo, I want to thank Jackie Clayton. Shout out to Textio again. If you haven't checked out op- career opportunities at Textio, you're missing out. All right. And if you listened to that conversation and didn't have any inkling or interest in looking at what was going on at Textio, I don't know what to tell you. All right. So make sure you click the links in the show notes. Make sure you um, sign up, create a profile on Living Corporate. Just take advantage of the content, y'all. There's plenty of learning materials, all of it free, all of it uh, fairly extensive. You know what I'm saying? I ain't going to hold you. Like, we've had some bangers on Living Corporate, like no cap at all. And um, it's funny because I was looking at some some podcasts, like, from, like, two years ago and saw that it was still getting, like, hundreds of downloads. I saw another one I was getting, like, thousands of downloads from, like, years ago. So, you know, that was the other reason, like we knew and we could tell based on our own data that y'all come back and y'all will listen to old podcasts. This is not like a current events pod. You know what I'm saying? Like we talk about a few current events things, but like our conversations are fairly evergreen. And so a lot of people will go back and look at, listen to old content. And so we know that y'all do that. And I'm confident that um, this will be an even easier pl- uh, passage or pathway for you to engage in and maybe find some gems that maybe you missed from yesteryear. <laughs> uh, anyway, till next time, this has been Zach with Living Corporate. Make sure you take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and uh, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about us, blah, 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 blah. Love y'all. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. Living Corporate is brought to you by Doximity. Doximity is committed to fostering an inclusive and diverse work environment where differences are valued, practices are equitable, and employees experience a sense of belonging that allows them to bring their full, authentic selves daily. As medicine's largest network, there's an elevated level of responsibility to everything we do. We don't take that responsibility lightly and are committed to working towards a more equitable world inside and beyond our virtual office walls. So if you want to learn more about Doximity, go to your app store and type in D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. Again, that's D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y.